entitled this message, A Prophecy. Hallelujah. I am not an expert on prophecy. I am not uh, uh, what they call an eschatologist, the people who know everything about the last days and the end of time. But I do know that God is true, God is faithful, and we know that God is good, and we know that God knows everything. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray open the scriptures to us this morning. Amen. Amen. A prophecy. Uh, does anybody know who Philip Smethurst is? Has anyone ever heard of Overland Missions? The Overland Missions, uh, Philip and his wife Sharon, originally from South Africa, they are uh, now uh, headquartered in uh, Florida, and their goal and their motto is to go where no one else has gone to bring the gospel. Many years ago, he told us that uh, when uh, Colin Powell was in uh, office, that they approached him and uh, he gave them permission to use the military satellites so they could find tribes and villages in the remotest parts of Africa that no one knew were there. And they were able to go and uh, preach the gospel to them. Uh, they are still in operation. But I never forget, many years ago when he came to visit the church, he quoted this verse. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I believe that this is a prophecy for our time, and it's also a prophecy for the future time. Praise God. In chapter 2, verse 1, the whole book of Habakkuk, if that's how you pronounce his name, I'm not sure. The whole book is a conversation between the prophet and God. And in chapter 2, and verse 1, he asks God, and uh, he, he's praising God, and, he's, and this is his answer. This is God's answer. Let me see if I can get this right. There we go. There's the laser. That's God's answer to Habakkuk's prayer in verse 1. He says, he says, I will watch to see what God will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. It's a good thing to be corrected by God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So this, as a way of introduction... Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, lived around the years 608 to 598 B.C. during the height of the Babylonian Empire's power. And one of the things that Habakkuk questions and asks God about is, God, why does it seem like you don't do anything when wicked people prosper? Anybody ever have that question? How in the world can all these people be doing okay when they're doing evil things? What's going on? God, don't you care? Yes. That's a big question a lot of people have that causes them to say, well, God's not real because he's not doing anything. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 says these words, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Why does God appear silent when the wicked prosper? If you have ever read Habakkuk chapter 2, says these words, God speaking, says the vision is for the appointed time and testifies about the end. It will not lie, but wait for it. 
it certainly will come and not be late. The problem is we don't have God's perspective. God's in eternity. We're stuck in time and space. God knows the beginning from the end. Amen? God knows everything that's going on. Nothing escapes God's attention. The Bible says Jesus said that even a sparrow falls to the ground and God knows about it. They jump. Anybody ever watch sparrows? They're just hilarious. The little baby ones are always flapping their wings, chirping, feed me, feed me, feed me. And the, and the adults are kind of going, well, you're supposed to do this. Come on. And all the sparrows, they all jump to the ground. God takes care of them. Nothing escapes God's attention. The point is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is the ruler of all eternity, heaven and earth, whether everyone obeys him or not. God is still sovereign. God doesn't catch, is not caught by surprises. Oh my goodness, I just can picture God looking up there. Oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that. Doesn't catch God by surprise. God knows. And he still loves us. That's what's so amazing about God. He knows everything about us. He even knows our thoughts without us even telling anybody. God knows our thoughts and he still loves us. Hallelujah. That's glorious. God is saying in this prophecy that in his own way and at the right time, God will deal with the wicked. The Chaldeans and the Babylonians, the uh, people of Israel, had rebelled against God. They had fallen into idolatry. And it's still the same today. Anybody know Molech was one of the gods? They sacrificed, they killed and sacrificed their own babies. Abortion's nothing new. The Egyptians told the midwives, throw the baby boys into the Nile River. Well, they'll, they'll drown. Not only that, the crocodiles will eat them too. Ha, that'll take care of the problem. Abortion is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. But somebody rose up and said, you know what? I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to believe in that. I'm not going to support that. By the way, that's why you should vote. Vote for politicians who have the same goals and ideals that you have. That's not the total answer. Everybody needs to get saved. That's the answer to the world's problems. But in the meantime, there is things we can do. Hallelujah. Why does God appear silent? When the wicked prosper. Turn with me to Habakkuk. He's one of the minor prophets. If you have your Bibles. There's a video I saw uh, over in Africa. This uh, young man, he's not quite really committed to being a Christian. And uh, his mom and his sister are leaving. They're going to church. And this is dramatization. They say, aren't you coming with us? Oh yeah, I'll meet you there. Well, where's your Bible? It's on my phone. So the mom and the daughter, they leave, and uh, he's taking his time. He's looking at stuff on his phone, and these two terrorists come, and they shoot a couple of policemen, and they run off. And it just so happens this young man has the same color shirt as one of the terrorists. <laughs> so the police, they, they catch him and say, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I'm on my way to church. Where's your Bible? 
<laughs> so make sure you have your Bible with you. Anyway, verse 13. Hallelujah. Sorry, it's actually chapter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> verse 12, he, the prophet asks God, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. That God had called and appointed an evil nation to come and punish the Israelites for their idolatry. And God says, don't worry, because, and, and the prophet speaking says, even though they're coming, and even though the evil and the wicked, God's going to take care of them too. Hallelujah. And speaking to God, he's, the prophet says, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? This is the complaint, the age-old complaint that causes people to not believe in God. God, why don't you do something? And God basically answers and says, don't worry, I will do something in my time. <laughs> we're, not, we're not the ones who tell God what to do, right? God tells us what to do. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The height of the Babylonian power. Praise God. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Notice there are several um, similar passages in the Bible. And this is one of them in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. By the way, uh, this, according to the commentary, is uh, the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem. And this is the only vision that this major prophet saw God. And this is one of the few people that actually saw God in the Bible and lived to tell about it. And he says, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two he covered his face. Two he covered his feet. Two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We notice in Habakkuk's prophecy that it doesn't say just that the earth is full of his glory. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's insignificant that King Uzziah, this is the year that he died, he was famous for going into the temple and offering the incense, which he was not supposed to do, and God struck him with leprosy, and he died of leprosy. But before that, he had built up the kingdom of Israel almost to the same height of power and influence that King David had. But he let his heart become lifted up, and he died a leper on no honor, no glory, and was not even buried with the kings. Notice here, here is evidence of the Trinity. Holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The whole earth is full of his glory. And we're going to look at the um, definition of glory in just a little bit here. We're going to go to the next verse. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. Here's another prophecy. And this is talking about the future. Uh, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Another very similar prophecy. But this is concerning end times when the kingdom of God will fully and completely be established on earth. <clears throat> How many know that where we're standing right now used to be underwater? If you go out to the Desert Museum, they've got displays there of how it shows, and you can look around, drive around just about anywhere in Arizona, and you'll see sedimentary rock everywhere. You look at the hills and the mountains, and you'll see what's called the alluvial plains. Erosion has taken place, and there's this area that looks like a triangle, and it slopes off from the mountains. That's from rainwater. But before that ever happened, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says that the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. The whole earth was covered in water at one time, according to the Bible. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. That was day one. Go forward to day two, and it says that the land appeared, and vegetation appeared, and the water was gathered to its place so that there was dry land and that there was water, oceans. And like I just said, you'll see sedimentary rock all over Arizona. It's just amazing. Go to the Grand Canyon, and you'll see... <clears throat> that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> Go to the Grand Canyon, and to me it looked like just a big hole in the ground, but actually... Uh, geologically significant. A lot of uh, people have uh, studied all that, and it's really uh, a testimony to God's knowledge. Hallelujah. Where was I? Next verse, very similar, 72 verse 9 in the book of Psalms, and very interestingly, my Bible says that this is the end of the Psalms, is the last Psalm that David wrote, even though if you look at the rest of the Psalms from 79 to 150, there are more Psalms attributed to David, but this one is the last one that he wrote, and he says, blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Anybody ever notice uh, the... Uh, just looking at nature, you can see, I mean, look at a flower. It's like, wow, how things grow. You plant the seed, give it water, and it grows. It's just amazing. And that's part of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Another very similar, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. <laughs> full of grace and truth. The word glory is a, uh, according to Strong's Dictionary, <clears throat> it means, or it's pronounced, 
I think, kabod, and it means splendor. We were watching television yesterday, and uh, I forget the guy's name. He goes and travels in Europe. It's on the PBS station, and they're showing the inside of this cathedral, this big, beautiful building, and I'm wondering, how did they put that together? How did they make that? It's beautiful marble rocks and and paintings that are 500 years old that still look like they were just made yesterday. And it's splendid. It's beautiful. It means, and it comes from a, (laughs) this is really funny, the word uh, splendor, the Greek, the uh, Hebrew word, Kabod comes from a primary root, kabade, which literally means heavy. Hey, man, God's heavy. <laughs> remember, remember back in the 60s, there was a guy, I think John Sebastian, he wrote this song. I had a dream last night, all of the heavies were light as a feather, you know, and, and, and God was heavy, man. <laughs> and this is the word, God's glorious, God's splendor, God's honorable. He prevails. God promotes. God's noble. God's rich. God's heavy. I was listening to the radio uh, earlier in the week, and Alistair Begg was talking about um, when the Philistines captured the ark of God, and uh, Eli is sitting there, and he's, he can't see. He's blind. He's old, and he's heavy. And he says, you know, this is kind of a play on words because he was supposed to be doing God's work and he was letting it slip by, letting his sons do whatever they wanted. And he was heavy. But it was a little slightly different word. And when he heard that the ark of God was captured, he fell over backwards and broke his neck and died. And then his daughter-in-law gave birth to a baby boy that very same day and named the boy Ichabod. The glory has departed. What a sad, sad testimony that the glory departed. May it never be said of the church of Jesus Christ here on the earth that the glory has departed. May the glory continue to grow and grow and grow until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, even as the waters cover the sea. (laughs) Hallelujah. This word knowledge... Anybody remember a Seinfeld? He'd go, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's the Jewish word or the Hebrew word for knowledge. Yada. It's a primary root. It means to know. It means to ascertain by seeing. It doesn't take a brain scientist or a brain surgeon or or a rocket scientist to see the glory of God. Last night, I went out into my backyard and I looked up. Man, look at the stars. You know how far away they are? You know how long they've been there? It's just amazing. When you look up into the night sky to those those stars, you are looking into eternity. You never know when God's coming back. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. And we're going to see it with our eyes. We're going to ascertain by seeing. But until that time, let us acknowledge the glory of God. Let us be aware of God's glory, that he saves sinners, that he transforms lives and hearts, that he takes an alcoholic like me and sets me completely free from alcohol. Hallelujah. It's to comprehend 
mind is to declare, hallelujah, is to discern and discover. We can also call knowledge uh, having a familiar friend. God is our friend. Glory to God. I worked with a, a guy named Abraham one time, and I started calling him friend of God. Hey, Abraham, friend of God. And he got mad at me. <laughs> Maybe he didn't perceive himself as a friend of God. Hallelujah. Knowledge. The word also means to be famous. It also means to feel. Hallelujah. Sometimes you can feel the presence of God. It means to learn or perceive. It means to be privy to. Hallelujah. God. Glory to God. You read the word of God. And I know the Bible says that no prophecy is of a private interpretation, but sometimes God will show you stuff. Amen? It means to have respect and to be sure and to understand. Glory to God. Jesus came to save sinners. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Gospel, chapter 1, verse 17 of the letter to the Romans, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God from faith to faith. This is um, chapter 2, verse 4, that of Habakkuk, he says these words, and this is quoted three times in the New Testament, where God says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Vision is for yet an appointed time. The end it will speak and will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And then in verse 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But this is the other part of the verse, of chapter 2, verse 4, that's quoted three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by his faith. Trusting in God is the best thing we can do. Amen? Hallelujah. Three times in Galatians chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, Hebrew, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, which we had just finished up recently, the just shall live by faith. Amen. We trust in God. We know that he knows everything and he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. God said, let light shine out of the darkness. Here, of course, is a reference to the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, came to earth, became a human being like us, hallelujah, tempted in all ways, yet without sin, all of the, the, the spotless Lamb of God who is the perfect sacrifice forever and ever and ever, hallelujah. It's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, then you have got a glimpse, you have got a taste of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Notice what it says in verse 17 of chapter 4. Oh no, this is uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Our light affliction 
is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If you're having troubles and problems in this life, don't worry because it's preparing you because what's coming is so much better than what we've got going on down here. God is good. God is a blesser. God helps us. Hallelujah. God has got our best interest at heart because it's his interest. That's the ultimate thing. Can you say amen? And the glory that will be revealed in us is beyond all comparison. Heaven, when we get to see Jesus face to face, Everything that ever was afflicting you will be forgotten. Hallelujah. We will be in the presence of Almighty God. We will experience the fullness of His love and His presence, and it will all be over. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, by Jesus' suffering, He is bringing many sons to glory. The suffering of Jesus when he went to the cross, the excruciating cross, the crucifixion, he took on himself the sins of the whole world, and because of that we can be forgiven and set free. And that's how we become brought into the glory of God. We just have like a reflection or a glimpse of it here on earth. But thank God that that's enough that we can share with other people and tell them what God has done for us so that he can do the same for them. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. So, as Pastor Wayne spoke about the last two weeks, we have a responsibility. We have a part to play in this knowledge of the glory of the Lord being revealed throughout the whole earth, being acknowledged. Ah, here it is. I knew I had it somewhere. I looked up online. There's a gentleman. Well, his name's not on here. Huh. He's got a blog. <clears throat> oh, there it is. Matt Perman. It says, what does it mean that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God? He claims that it means the earth will be filled with believers in Jesus. And the reason he says that is because back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. <clears throat> to be in the image of God means to reflect him and represent him. We, as believers, we know that we are ambassadors, we're representatives of Jesus. And he believes, Mr. Perman says that this is the essence of being in God's image. When we reflect God's image, it's the same thing as glorifying God. We honor God. It makes God look good. Hallelujah. Amen. 
We want to make Jesus look good to other people by telling them what he's done for us, what he, we know. We, I mean, I've prayed for people and God's healed them. And, uh, you know, God saved me. God changed my life. God's helping me. Uh, there, uh, in difficulties and in good times, God is always there. Hallelujah. And we want to make God look good. So when God gave dominion to mankind over all the earth, his purpose was to fill the whole earth with his glory. Then the fall happened, and man sinned. So there's two things. Some theologians say that there's the natural image of God and the moral image of God. So when the fall happened, the moral image of God was no longer in mankind. But the natural image is still there. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, we're being restored to the image of God. Hallelujah. God prophesies that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. God's original purpose to fill the earth with his glory will be reflected through human beings. That's the purpose. God wants to save people and touch their lives so that he would be honored and glorified. So, as Pastor Wayne was preaching last week and the week before, we have a responsibility. Rome, um, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, Go into all the world. And make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So that brings me to the very point of this whole sermon, and that's this. How many of us are fulfilling that? How many of us are doing that? How many of us really take that to heart, that we want to see people saved, that we want to touch lives for God, that we want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? I hope that it's every single one of us. So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. No one looking around. This is between you and God. First of all, if you're not born again, Jesus said that unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So if you're here this morning and you're not born again and you want to get saved, and just lift your hand up as a sign to God that I'm not born again, I need to be born again, I want to be saved. Amen. If you're watching online and you're not saved, Jesus loves you, died for your sins, rose again from the dead so that you be, can be forgiven and cleansed and have eternal life and the hope and the promise of fellowship with God. And all it takes is a simple prayer. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me and set me free. Amen. But as every head is bowed and every eye is closed this morning, I want to challenge you. I believe God told me to do this. Challenge you to share the gospel and make every effort to tell somebody about Jesus and try your very, very best to win souls. And I want to challenge you to make a commitment to the the Spirit of God, and to the Spirit of prophecy. The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. And I want to challenge everyone in this room, myself included, to make an effort, a greater effort, 
to win souls, to tell somebody about Jesus. And if that's you, with no one looking around, between you and God, you'll lift your hand up and say, yes, that's me, God. I want to recommit or I want to commit to winning souls to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God sees those hands. And let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that you are able to make all things abound to us, God. And I ask you this morning, God, to stir our hearts, God, with inspiration and direction and to stir our hearts, God, with compassion for the lost, God, and to stir our hearts, oh God, to win souls. And we ask you for the wisdom, God, for your word says, whoever wins souls is wise, God. And we ask you for your wisdom, for your words to speak, God, and for your heart, God, to beat like with us, oh God, so that we, hallelujah, wherever we go, would be a sweet-smelling odor, God, to those around us, God. Speak to us and show us how to win souls in Jesus' name so that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, that souls would acknowledge you, Jesus, as Lord of their lives, that souls would acknowledge you, Jesus, that you would use us to win the lost, and souls would acknowledge you as the King of kings and the Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. With that, let's stand and close in prayer.